We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers are coming off of one of the more frustrating losses they had this season. And we saw flashes of both what they could be in the first half, where they went up by 17. Uh, the pick-and-roll defense was really good. The trapping, blitzing, scrambling style that we're always talking about on this pod. We started to see the first you know, little, little bits of Drummond trapping ball screens while AD plays free safety on the weak side. And hopefully when LeBron comes back, that whole concept continues. And then the wheels completely fell off in the second half to the point where Lakers ended up losing by double digits. It was a 35 point second half. Um, and it it was a game that stuck with me enough to where I, I did a long thread on Twitter on the team's pick and roll defense, which may or may not get into later. But if you haven't seen that, check it out. But uh, yeah, Darius, that one that one stuck with me a, a little more for a few reasons that we'll get into. But I'd love to hear your big picture thoughts on that game. The Lakers continued to frustrate in their own specific Lakers way which I think has been sort of a, a, a theme of this year for a team that's this good, right? There's been a ton of up and downs this year. The injuries are sort of the undercurrent of, of all of that for me. But this team is getting close to healthy now. LeBron is the only key player, and he's obviously a major player, but he's the only sort of key guy who is currently not available to play and 
A, I thought the Lakers really missed LeBron in both of the Mavs games, but especially the second Mavs Mavs game. But B, I thought we saw some of the things sort of come to a head that I think both on and offline us as a group have talked about when it comes to the Lakers this season. Um, and I think one of the themes that will probably come up over the course of this entire pod is sort of the center play and and the center rotation, right? But I'm going to give Dallas credit here because they made the adjustments in the second half that I thought beat what the Lakers did in order to get the lead that they did in the first half. The frustrating part was that the Lakers really seemed to fall apart in, in ways that have become a little bit too predictable for my taste for a team that is um, a real championship contender, right? Which is sort of um, inconsistent play in the middle and in defending the basket area and in their shooting. And those two things came up over and over again in the second half. Uh, Mike, the, Lakers couldn't buy a shot in the second half and they got a lot of good looks and they had 14 fourth quarter quarter points and it seemed to domino on them some where it really seemed to get in their heads a little bit that they weren't able to generate good good offense. I'd love to sort of get your big picture perspective about this as well because one of the post game comments that stood out to me were ones that Dennis Schroeder made where he said that the Lakers have great chemistry off the court, but that on the court, it's they need to continue to push and and work harder to, to bring that off-court chemistry to on the court. And for a team that's this talented and it's this late in the season, and, and I get it, they haven't had a lot of reps together, but did that concern, does that idea concern you at all? And what did you think of, of the tenor and tone of, of Dennis's comments and, and the game in general? I, I remain not concerned. And I, I've, um, you know, I don't think you guys are like, there's a difference between acknowledging some things that are problematic um, and, having a big picture concern to the point where you're not picking the Lakers to win the title. And I think that's sort of where it, you know, we get into the nitty gritty of things because if pressed right now, I still think, well, I know I would pick the Lakers to win the title. Um, I still think the two of you would. So there are different shades of this, right? And that's what kind of, I think we've been going over before I get into it too deeply though. I, so I was, um, I didn't catch Pete's tweets today. I I'm usually all over Twitter Today I had it shut down. The boys had baseball, and and then um, I had something going on in the afternoon. So I was just trying to catch up, and I couldn't even scroll down to the point where the tweet stopped. So Pete, we're talking about somewhere around I don't know 120, 20 tweets no, or something. It was 52, 52. Okay, okay, sorry. Okay, look, so look, <laughs> okay, so fifty two tweets, and being that you're Pete, they are all loaded with information. It's not like you skimped on one you know, and it was three words. Okay. We're talking like you, you use the full level of character. So I, I know that I would just love for you to now to sort of synthesize and summarize these tweets verbally here uh, for me and for the listeners. And then I would, I'm going to use that to inform and maybe I'll, maybe I'll change my perspective slightly uh, depending on how persuasive you are. So I'm open-minded Pete. Uh, tell me what I need to know. 
So to explain, you know, 52 tweets, I, I don't want to dominate the entire <laughs> pod. So I'll, hey, I'll give well, you a big picture. Why not? We're here for it. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm worried about our continuity. I, I think this is this is the most talented Lakers roster that of, of my life. I really believe that in terms of sheer talent. And it's almost like I'm a little out of my depth. Darius would be better at making this analogy. But we've got all these fantastic ingredients, and we're going to make a cake. We've got the best eggs and the best flour and and all, all of that. But if you don't put that cake, and, and it's a, like a three-tiered cake, right? It's tres leches, and it, it's like, it's got the whole shebang, right? It can be a bunch of different types of cakes, and they're all going to be really good. But if you don't bake it for long enough, it's not going to be the cake that that it needs to be, right? And in a season that's been so uh, fraught with injury, and with the style of play, especially that we play on the defensive end with new personnel, the trapping and blitzing style that we did against Luca, which won't be how we play every team, but I do think that it'll be especially important if we face the Clippers with Kawhi as a big ball, ball handler. He's not the passer that Luca is, but he presents a guy who can go over the top of you, right? We put Dennis as the primary guy on Luca for most of the game, right? I suspect that that will be LeBron or AD in the last five minutes of a close game or something like that. But I focused on our pick and roll defense because it's indicative of, a, of that bigger continuity issue. And I was really illustrating two things, the the places where we're not on the same page, but also we're playing these games remind me a little of the seeding games, Mike. And that's in some ways in actually a big way, uh, an argument to not be worried, right? We're getting all sorts of guys time and getting looks at, I've, I've noticed that AD and Drummond go into the game and come out of the game together as though we're trying to get as many minutes with those two as possible before the end of the season. But, and, and, in the process of that, there are a couple of guys, THT and McLemore, who really stand out in a negative sense on the defensive end. THT off of the ball and McLemore really overall. And so I'm really struck by there's a sense of urgency that is lacking that Dennis has been both in his post-game interviews, but also on the floor in the last couple of games that like, come on, guys, let's go. It's time. It's time to do this. That I'm kind of like team Dennis in that respect but everything about everything else we're doing from all of the guys that we're playing from oh we're gonna play these guys tonight and these couple of guys are gonna sit all of it expresses a very low degree of concern from the people who know this team the best of course but my urgency and paranoia and you know I can be a little you always laugh at me for this I, I will tend to look at something and be like okay how can this go wrong but my biggest concern right now is that we don't have a lot of time to bake the cake. And I think that we're, if we're not there already, we're very close to the point where we need to start building some degree of continuity going into the playoffs. Yeah. So I do think that we're having somewhat of the same conversation, uh, right. Whether it was from last year in the bubble versus early this season versus the February conversation where they had clearly hit the wall and, you know, if and you objectively just watching the games, I agreed like there's no way not to make those points. But the larger picture continues to be when the Lakers have been right and when they've been healthy, they have been just fine. And when they get LeBron back, which could be next week, 
could be at the latest in a couple of weeks, that is automatically going to reset like all of the stuff Pete you were mentioning about pick and roll defense, you know, THT and Macklemore, those guys aren't going to be on the court in in the times that really matter, or at least they probably shouldn't be based on what the Lakers have. And if you're worried about the continuity, here's what you can do. Start the guys and finish with the guys that you already know know how to play together if things just aren't working that well. And we know so and they have plenty of guys to do that, by the way. AD, LeBron, Keith, Kuz, Caruso, KCP, right? And then you uh, you add Schroeder into that mix. Who's something I, th- I think that we kind of buy into when we know that he knows how to compete and be there defensively. Uh, if you're just looking for defense, Wesley Matthews, Marcus All, uh, you know. So I, I just I continue to think that there is enough overriding talent where that's going to paper over these issues that are clearly there. For sure. Right? For um, sure. But and, and that's not to dismiss them as a concern, but like what I thought the biggest issue was last game, and Darius, I'd be curious for your take on this. Anthony Davis is trying to completely understandably, right? Trying to find his rhythm and yeah. almost like it's a preseason game. Literally, like he played like he would play in a preseason game. But Dallas, especially considering what the standings are, right? That like that was a little bit of a tricky time to do that. Because Dallas was really looking to get these wins to make things a little bit more closer in the standing. So when AD was playing like that, and by that, I mean really settling for jump shots. And that killed the, the rhythm of the offense overall. I think it took away some of the defense. And he's, you know, he's just trying to get in shape. Like he didn't have his burst on defense. I think he was one for 12 or something like that from, from uh, in terms of jump shots. So that to me just alone was enough to to have the type of lack of continuity and all that but it's for why did he do it for the big picture to try to get to get himself going and get himself back so um i i found that to be the issue in both of these dallas games he played the first half in the first game not in the second that of course disrupted everything he played um more in the second game but he was not like anthony davis is not going to go what was the final line guys like four for 19 mm-hmm. was it yeah he, yeah he's like what seven for, for 29 seven yeah. for 29 i think through the first two games he yeah. was five for 19 and he wasn't able to impact defensively near the way that he's supposed to and then the rest of the guys were trying to figure out how to sort of live around that and, and like so that to me brings up all the the other points but darius what, what was your what's your rea- reaction to ad and how he fits into this conversation right now so let me just say <clears throat> that ad's playing in the poorer end of the range I thought was possible for him. So he's still within the range of what I thought was possible for him. It's just on the lower end of that. Before we started recording, Mike, I said something like if AD wasn't even on this team and, but LeBron was, and you had a team this talented just with LeBron that the Lakers would have a punter's chance to win the championship. They just would. They're, they've got enough talent, and then they have LeBron, which is sort of the, the ultimate sort of supercomputer and, and, and player who can who is an equalizer and in some ways someone who will put you over the top. You add AD to that equation, and that can swing things in a way that puts the Lakers into the realm of a team that is, if not the outright favorite, one of the two or three teams that should be looked at as this team can absolutely win the championship. And I think every single season, there's anywhere from two to four teams that you can say that about. And the Lakers would be one one of those teams this year. 
The thing is, though, is that the Lakers are not likely to win the championship in this specific season because of all of the continuity stuff that Pete brought up and, and just sort of the short turnaround and, and everything that's gone into this year. If Anthony Davis is not at if not at, then like very close to the level at which he performed at last playoffs, where he was clearly one of the best two or three players in the entire league, right? So some of what I'm seeing from AD, Mike, is him trying to recapture some, it is to get himself back on the track and back on the path to be the player that he was during the bubble. Pete, I remember when we were recording, it was like we were talking about AD like this dude is shooting like Kevin Durant, right? Like from the mid-range and basically even all the way out to the three-point line, his jumper was so good and it set up everything else about him that makes him such a devastating offensive player, right? Like it it made it so that guys had, had to come out harder on him. It created those spin-out opportunities where he would dive to the basket it made him such a a threat and pick and pop and then he could get downhill still in in pick and roll he got guys up on his toes when he was in mid post isolations where he would faint the jump shot and then he would drive we saw that a bunch in the denver series where he basically had their bigs on skates because he was just handling the ball and and acting like he was going to shoot the jumper, then getting to the rim and then actually shooting the jumper and making it. And he was just a devastating player. That is based off of his ability to shoot, right? And so Pete, when you're talking about he's seven for 29 or whatever he is and like two for whatever on jump shots, right? Um, I think Vogel is doing this too. In the last couple of minutes of the game or last five, five minutes when AD came, came back in, a couple of the actions that they ran were interior rub screens between Drummond and AD to have him curl into the free throw line area to shoot a jump shot. Like those were the plays that, that Frank Vogel called. Like those aren't even actions that Lakers have run all season. Those are, those were like, that's the first time I've seen that action run for AD specifically. And it's clear the Lakers are trying to get him going as a jump shooter. And so, Mike, when you're talking about like, yeah, I think some of AD's pursuit of being the player that he needs to be is going to come at the expense of what the Lakers are trying to do in terms of winning games, right? The standings still do sort of matter. Even if you talk to anyone within the Lakers, they would tell you they don't care, right? They don't, they do not care about the standings. They trust the fact that they will win. And, and so, but Pete, I want to get back to some of your continuity stuff. Because how much the Lakers made a lot of changes during the offseason. And while I agree with Mike that the Lakers have several sort of old guard lineups that they can call on that are sort of championship tested groups. The fact is, is that they still at point guard and at center that doesn't they they're going to need to rely on guys who were not there last season it's either going to be drummond or it's going to be gasol less and less likely 
it's looking like it will be Trez, but it could be Trez. And then Schroeder is a key rotation player, right? Like he's going to be most likely in the closing five. And if not, he's going to be getting key fourth fourth quarter minutes. And so the... We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Continuity amongst those guys matters a great deal. And to me, it, I'm not alarmed by this. Concern might even be a bit of a strong word, but Vogel is still seeking out solutions at center. He's not seeking them out at point guard, but he's seeking them out at center. Does that give you pause at all, Pete, at this point in the season? It, it does. and But I think that there is both an individual ramp-up process and then a team-wide ramp-up process that is running they're running parallel to each other and they're not always uh one doesn't always jive with the other so let's take a quick break when we come back i'll talk more about that credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help even more with a credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits credit karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So AD is the most obvious, and then LeBron, once he comes back from injury, is the most obvious from a ramping up for the playoffs type of, uh, you know, last couple of weeks of the season that he has to get from first geared all the way up to that 
comparing him to Kevin Durant, this is one of the best mid-range player in the world type of guys. He's a long way away from that guy right now, right? Which is to your point that you were making in the first segment. LeBron will go through that too, but when Vogel's been asked about, they sat Trez last night, right? And he was asked, he was like, no, it was it was get, getting everybody engaged, getting everybody looks, that that keeping everybody fresh, but also not so stapled to the bench that they never play is important because everybody, especially at that five spot, is going to be important going into these playoffs. And so with that, it's hard to establish a certain degree of continuity. Like my my concern. So Drummond is a big piece. Is a in in that he's playing a lot of minutes. And to me, when you when you incorporate a new guy that gets big minutes, the less fluctuation you have in the lineups around him, the more he can be integrated. But when it's Drummond and Ben McLemore and like oh Wes is playing for the first time in three four games, right? And there's and I don't know to to what degree we're sitting guys with minor injuries. Like, could they play if it was the the playoffs? But every game aside from LeBron, there's usually two guys out that they're sitting that game for whatever reason. That I think that that stacks on stacks on top of the existing continuity issues that just come from signing a really big piece at at the buyout market. That that gives me a, a little bit of cause for concern. But Mike, there is that that point Vogel that, that I think Vogel has a valid perspective of like, Hey, we need to make sure Mark's getting playing time. And if we're playing a team back to back, the same team, maybe, Hey, how does Mark look versus this team? We just saw what Trez looked like, what he's good and bad at. Maybe there's value in, in getting Mark some run tonight. So yeah, Pete, yeah, you, this is part of what Darius was alluding to earlier also, and that we had been kind of discussing on text and we can, relay that out here but here so here's how i would address just first the kind of the continuity versus the uh the trying to make sure that everybody is engaged on the bench and i i'm going to agree with vogel on this one but you know the lakers were what was their high water mark right at some point they were 21 and 6 uh, i think when the game before ad went out and that was with uh with you know certain guys were missing time but they had most of those guys available but but they had integrated four new players Right. It, like there, it didn't look like much of an issue then, I guess, is what my point is. When they were still relatively fresh uh, before they sort of hit that wall, they still looked like clearly the best team in the NBA, um, is my point. Since that point, the Lakers have either not had Anthony Davis or LeBron James. And if you take any team in the NBA, I know this is a simple point, but if you remove just one of the two best players, it's problems. Uh, and, and so that's that is still going to be sort of my explainer. Um, now, the second thing is just the pandemic, all the games missed, what Pete just alluded to, that KCP was out last night, right? Could he have played if it were a playoff game? Probably. But teams, especially the Lakers this year, they're they're being overly cautious so that they can try and elongate uh, their chance of actually having these guys make this postseason run. That's just what they've decided to do. And to now bring Frank Vogel into this, because I think this is the most significant part of this whole discussion. He's in the locker room. And this is the part that I always try to convey uh, in just even if it's in Pete, you've been on a lot of these calls, Darius, you've been on some of these these post game zooms and stuff like just listening to them all talk. And after Frank speaks to us before he speaks to us all day, he is in that room and he's looking around at these faces and he has made the decision that Marcus all Wesley Matthews, these guys are too good 
to just make a decision for continuity's sake on the roster and say, we're here's the 10 that are going to play now. We have to get these guys in rhythm. Everybody else too bad. I think he's in, in I think that he's right. And he's also said there are certain series where Marcus Hull really may be a better option than Montrez Harrell and where Wesley Matthews may be a better option than Ben, ben McLemore or Wesley Matthews may be a better option than THT in certain situations. Like, for example, Pete, against a, a really smart, uh, like Rick Carlisle offense with screen roll actions that are that are constantly being asked to make decisions. You know, you may need Wes for that series. THT may not be able to play as much. So I think that's what he's determined. It worked last year, right? JaVale got on board. Dwight got on board because they have to. Because if they don't, then it's on them. And, and that's what you get with LeBron and AD. So I, I, everything you're saying about, um, about sort of the importance of cohesion and consistency of lineups, it's totally true. And it's why Utah is the number one seed. So like I've been making that point all year. But, but that does change when the playoffs come, when things get down to it, when LeBron and AD are out there with whoever – and a lot of those things get papered over. So I, I hope I'm not sounding like uh, I'm repeating myself, but th- that's that's where I, I kind of am trying to come back to that larger point, Pete. Mike, do you think that we need a ramp up period? Do you think even if it's not now, right? Yes. But when LeBron comes back, that there needs to be five games, eight games. I'm curious if you think we need it and about ish. How long do you think it needs to be? Yeah, so this is a good question based on what we saw last year with the seeding games. And I think that. Everyone was thinking, well, hold on. How are the Lakers going to go from what we're seeing in these seeding games to suddenly being able to shoot? And my answer was, well, they're going to start playing harder. <laughs> like LeBron and AD are going to put their foot on the pedal and it's just going to happen. Like it, it, it's we're trusting it because we saw it whenever the games actually did matter. And I think the Lakers have made the determination like they've looked at the standings to some extent, at least like you can't especially somebody like LeBron, especially somebody like Anthony Davis. So I think the Lakers have looked at the standings and at least to an extent, they're aware that they're still in control of their own destiny to sit right in that little four or five mix. And so in other words, it's not that these games don't matter, but they matter a little bit less than getting AD up to speed, getting Drummond up to speed, Mm -hmm. um, seeing if McLemore can really be in a rotation um, as especially as like a three point shooter versus Wesley Matthews like that. I think that they're still experimenting and looking like Frank Vogel did last year in the bubble. Like they're almost treating this like it's the bubble. And last year in the bubble, remember Deion waiters played J.R. Smith played, right? Like all of that kind of stuff um, is what's interesting to me. And then, so ramp up period, Pete, of course it would be ideal. It would be ideal. Do I think they need it? Like I would pick them to lose the first round series if they still were doing this up until the last week of the season. That's where it gets tricky. And I just the the talent is so overwhelming. It's hard to pick against. But like I would I think I would love to see, you know, when LeBron gets back, there's probably only going to be five, six, seven. Who knows? Like whatever games are left in May. And then as LeBron has a couple games to get going, once he's feeling a little better, even if there are three games left. It's like, all right, let's just let's just test it out. Let's see it here so that you're not having to do it in game one like you did against Portland um, last year. So I guess my answer, <laughs> Darius, is as it's going to be it's going to be a little teeny, teeny window, but I'd like to see it uh, even if it's for a game or two. So here's here's my pushback against that. And, and some of this is devil's advocate. And some of this is sort of like I believe some of this, too, Um 
dear listener, are you going to tell can, us which is which? N- no, I was going to say, dear okay. listener, you can you can <laughs> make your best guess about where I'm at with this. Interesting. Um, so last year's team, the 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 seeding games in the bubble, in hindsight, should have tipped us off that they meant literally nothing to a team that dominated the Western Conference for the entire regular season before the shutdown came. You guys have cited the crazy stat of like 16 or 17 straight Western Conference road wins. We can look back at that weekend where now they were both home games, but the two top teams that were sort of looked at as as the Lakers chief competitors for a championship, the Lakers beat them on the same weekend. Um, Whenever there was a moment that the Lakers needed to call on a higher level of play, whether it was back to back game set on like. In Utah and Denver, get guess what? Wins, right? Like the the game, there were some sort of letdown games last year, like at Milwaukee, um, at Philadelphia. But even those, in hindsight, but even in the moment, there were contextual reasons for those losses at sort of at the end of a long road trip or guys were banged up. But we saw the Lakers throughout the whole season just be at a level that should have given us confidence that they were that they were a real contending team. And I would there there's an argument to be made that the the injuries this season, the guys being in and out of the lineup due to COVID protocol, the turnover in there was enough turnover in roster of meaningful players that were contributors to last year's championship team that while we do have the understanding of, we know what LeBron's top gear is. We know what AD's top, top gear is. We know where Caruso and Keith and KCP and all the holdover players. We know the level that they can reach as either superstars or as role or as role players. But within the context of this specific team in in this specific season, we have not seen it in a big enough sample size that the callback the callback to that as like yeah, we can come out in a playoff series game 1 or game 2 right and be that dominant team again and go basically up four or five levels from what those seeding games were to playoff games that's that's a big ask i'm not saying they can't do it right but i'm saying there's an argument to to be made that the ramp up period that we're talking about that they actually do need more time together in order to to forge some of that on-court togetherness and chemistry that does propel most championship teams to being the last team standing. I would agree that that would be ideal. But since they haven't had a chance to do it, and it's been just because of injuries, they're still the defending champs. They still have the bulk of the important players back from last season. They've added additional talent. And this season, Darius, they are 17 and six when LeBron and AD play. So, like that to me, 
these last couple months, of course, we haven't been able to see that. So it's been a little while. But they did flex on some teams. And AD wasn't even really playing up to AD level at that point. Like LeBron was. Okay. And that was that was very clear. But so that's – I don't know if that's a direct – if we're saying the opposite thing or anything. I don't think we are. We're not. You know, but that that's still kind of to me the – that's the quick retort at least. I think that that's fair. I think it's tricky to me because there is just a sense of like – we haven't seen it in in a while, and normally I would just want to have a little bit more time with these guys together to show it. Where, like, where are you at, Pete? I mean, the one saving grace is I think that a lot of the other teams that are contenders, I think of Brooklyn specifically, they haven't had continuity, right? Like, they're not going to go into the playoffs in a better position, and they don't have a previous season to lean back on, like Mike alludes to with the, the holdover guys, right? They don't have that. Um, even the Clippers, they've they've had more continuity than we, we've had, but Kawhi's missed a bunch of games. PG's miss, missed some games. Beverly's been out for a while. We're not the only team that's had injury issues, um, even to our, our top guys. Now, they've been out longer and together for, I think, longer than the other top teams, except for maybe Brooklyn with KD and, and Harden specifically. But um, there aren't a ton of other teams. Like the teams that have had continuity are Utah and Phoenix and and some others that are probably not on a similar tier enough talent-wise. Like we, we talked about Utah a couple pods ago. I think they're probably – if we played them, I think they give us a harder series than – most people would expect simply because there's that massive gap in continuity and basketball that matters to some degree in basketball, right? Like talent, of course, is the most important thing, but especially with how we're trying to defend and be super aggressive on the perimeter, that's so many little micro decisions where it's like, okay, I'm tagging the guy on the short roll. You're splitting two. You're going to close out to the wing, and then I'm going to recover and X out to the corner. That it's just all of, and all of that's happening in the span of three seconds. You know, um, I, I think that on the offensive end, there's some some clunkiness, and I think we'll get more in the next pod. Let's see how AD's jumper comes along because I think him playing alongside Drummond it almost necessitates that he has to be. A, a good jump shooter for the half court offense to work well. But uh, I, I think that that those defensive components, then again, Mike, this is me being paranoid, right? Like we're, I think the number one defense in league, even still, um, I'd just like to see, especially if we're going to be so aggressive with Drummond and try to be, uh, get out onto the perimeter. I I'd love to see just a few more, games together even if we're treating those last three to five games even if they don't matter in the standings as that we're treating this as a playoff game pete to your point there and this is the funny thing when we were texting at halftime the conversation was more about oh ad and drummer together this is i like this (laughs) it was a different mood wasn't it yeah this is interesting right because they're and I think the question that I'd asked you guys, and I, I had a thought, and I kind of I, I value you guys as a, a sage, um, you know, old school Lakers wisdom, right? And and there, I, I think Pete, the basic question was, hey, don't you think that the way Drummond can switch out onto the perimeter and move his feet in, in with still having Anthony Davis there, like or vice versa, and then once LeBron comes back. The Lakers couldn't really do even that last year as much like Dwight a little bit, 
but not to the same extent. And that's the kind of the defensive upside that we talk about all the times. So then the rotations kick in and Drummond's the one that has to get on board with that. But he was showing some of that. And he's showed it throughout his career with those active hands and just being huge, you know, being athletic. And you made some good points, Pete, about how it depends. Like sometimes he he could be really quick if he knows what direction he's going. In. It's a little harder for him to change direction because he's more of a load um, in a, at a bit than AD is. Uh, right. But nonetheless, it can still be devastating. And, and I still think that that is the ultimate thing that will that will play out. And then in the second half. I thought that AD, this is Darius goes to your point about his jumpers too. He just didn't have legs. He was just tired. I, I think he, that so, still goes for Drummond to an extent too, right? And Drummond, like, yeah, and Drummond and, to an extent And when too, you're playing yeah. that style, that's different than playing a drop coverage, right? Yeah. You're out on the perimeter. You're you're moving all around, right? Like So I think that we saw us get to a point, and then I do think that not just AD, but I think Drummond lost some legs there too. And, and so like Luca in the first half was four for nine for 10 points with three assists, and which – that that is a great defensive job to get to keep Luca to those numbers. Luca didn't start killing until the final couple of minutes of the fourth quarter, and he deserves credit for it. But it to me again, the biggest reason was just AD, who is the most dominant pick and roll defender in the NBA, was very far from it because he wasn't able to move his legs much. And that's that is the most important thing about him playing in that game, regardless of if the shots went in, regardless of if he, if he lost. Like he played twenty eight minutes and was tired as hell, and he's going to be less tired next game because of it. And that's why I said I thought I missed, I thought the Lakers missed LeBron, because Mm -hmm. he is that other supreme athlete, and he's a wing player. And so some of the closeouts that we, that the Lakers ask their perimeter players to make, or ask every player to make every player has to make these these closeouts. It's a different thing when it's LeBron making that closeout versus when it's Ben McLemore versus when it's Kyle Kuzma versus even when it's like Alex Caruso, who who we all praise as one of the best closeout players in the entire league. Right? There is there is a there is size, speed, and strength all in a single guy with. LeBron that cannot be replicated on the Lakers roster at all. And this is why I credited Dallas too, because they made smart adjustments at halftime that worked against the Lakers defensive pressure. And it's the reason why Dwight Powell had his best scoring game of the season. And there's a reason why all those short roll spray or then when the Lakers went to more drop that it was lobs. There's a reason why that stuff worked. It, some of it was definitely because of the legs issues and, and all of that for sure. But some of it too was just like, yeah, guess what? The Lakers don't have everything that they could have in this matchup because one of the more impactful defensive players in the se- in the league this season isn't, out there and that looks different right like in some of those possessions pete you would probably have you might not even have drummond on the floor and you might have for sure yeah and you Mm -hmm. might have just ad you might have lebron on luca to start a possession they go into pick and roll and then you switch and now it's luca going against ad and none of that advantage is there anymore right because you have then, and that's that's the point. Frank Vogel, I I watched a national feed, and and I don't know if Spectrum carried this aim or not, but 
Yes, we Frank did. Vogel talked about. Well, you you know, Spectrum would be my 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 choice. I am out of market, and so when I since I'm out of market, forgiven, forgiven. They they cut off the league pass, and they're just like go to ABC <laughs> or TNT or ESPN and You're watch the I'll guys. Tell I'll tell Stu. I'll tell Stu. You're, You're yeah. No, good. tell him I'm on. Look, I'm on board, man. You know. N- noise with a oi in there instead of just just an <laughs> i i'm with it exactly. um but during the quarter interviews vogel said like we have to keep changing up on luca he's too smart of an offensive player to show him one look the entire game but the lakers could only really show him two looks right they showed him the touch like at the point of attack where they were very aggressive mm-hmm. and they showed him straight drop coverage. The third action in that Pete are switches, but the Lakers did not do much of that. And switching then disrupts all that. Oh, let me jump pass right and throw over the top to the corner because weak side wing or weak side big is splitting two. like, Oh, that short roll is no longer there because the Lakers switched on that and there are things that the Lakers could have done defensively that were not at their disposal because they did not have LeBron James who is basically their second best defensive player and their best player overall right and and when you guys talk about papering over issues yeah there's there's no better there's no better guy at papering over issues in the entire league than than LeBron James so I don't want to seem like I'm down on this team at all, right? But there is a there is a building and a togetherness that I really really want to see from this team. And some of the losses that they're now piling up to me are directly related to some of that togetherness clearly being absent. And that's where I'm sort of just like, man, it's frustrating when that's why you lose because there's talent there to make up for that, but they're not cohesive enough to amplify that talent in order to take you down. And that's why this is the time to establish as much of that as you can. You can't get a whole season's worth. You can't get last year's level of cohesion in this period of time, but as much of it as you can, I think is really important to establish during this period of time. And like I said, I am, I'm team Dennis on this. This does not mean that I'm down or starting to question their talent or what they're capable of. I just think it's time. It is time to start establishing that connective tissue. The, now the way of going about that is I I may be just a little impatient. Right, because clearly Vogel and the staff and everyone are in a, are in the mode of let's give everybody looks, let's try these different lineups, let's make sure AD and Drummond play together. No AD at the five for now. Um, to your point about switches, Luca uh, AD switched on Luca a couple of times in that game. There, it wasn't intentional, I think, but once, uh, but both times AD kind of gobbled him up. Right, like he was really just draped all over him and. I was really encouraged. He was not the AD defensively that I'm used to, but there were some possessions. There were more possessions in this game where I was like, oh yeah, that's that guy. So that those parallel tracks of the individual ramp up alongside the team ramp up, it's just, it's, uh, they're happening at the same time. They don't always happen in ways that complement each other. But I'm, again, Team Dennis in the respect that I think it's time to hit the thrust and go forward. 
Can I ask you both one question then? Okay. What what would be one like, and I don't need to give feedback on any of these, right? But what would be one thing that you would like to see then in terms of building continuity? Like, like, oh, sorry, Marcus All or sorry, Trez, you're out of the lineup, right? Like, like, sorry, Ben McLemore, no more you, right? Like, like, I don't know if there's one thing, but is there one thing that you would that you would like to see? Like, who knows if it happens, but just something, an idea that you would float. And, and that's the big question. And I that, I would say that is a whole nother pod and a continuing storyline. So we're going to wrap up here and continue that uh, on the next episode of the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next for the winner. It's on the way. Down. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, listen! Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.